a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to August 28th. It is a Monday, 2023, episode number 439 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Leon Elliott, Funky Monk, Marcus Kyler, Tom Bishop, Haircut Fish on the way to the beach, Matt McDaniel, <laughs> Sean McKinday, Ms. Julian Carey, so many folks coming in over on LinkedIn, coming on YouTube. Simply Cyber community members, squad members, first-timers, and long-timers. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize this at work this week or in a longer form, uh, you know, strategic uh, method? You're going to get value that way. And if you're looking to break in the industry, you're just, you're just over here for the lulls. Don't think that this content does not apply to you. It absolutely does. First of all, you're going to be asked in any cybersecurity job interview, how do you stay current um, in the industry? This right here, this threat uh, briefing is a fantastic answer. On top of it, you're going to hear terminology, learn concepts. There's a reason that we ask people in interviews, how do you stay current? It's, it's just so important to being really great at practicing. So settle in um, and you know, you're more than welcome as part of the community. You better believe that. As a reminder, I do not prep or brief or research any of these uh, stories that we'll be going over today. Uh, I don't even know what they are, frankly. I, it's, you're getting my raw, my raw spicy reaction on each of those stories, but that's what it's all about. It's all about good times. If you are live in chat, we got 124 of you beautiful people already starting the morning with us. Uh, say what's up in chat, hashtag team live. Let us know that you're here on this Monday morning. Happy to be here and happy to be part of team live. Definitely love it. Hashtag Team Replay if you're watching in the future. Congratulations, all you. I know the West Coast can be a little tough in Hawaii. Forget about it. But we got you, Team Replay. That's why I make the pod available on replay forever and ever. Don't forget, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE, so that will stack up. Uh, two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say, you know, what's up in chat or Team Live, Team Replay, whatever. Take a screenshot, file it into a folder and uh, just you know, slowly start stacking it. And then, by the way, I never say this, but like, you shouldn't be going into your uh, certification body and doing a half a CPE each day. Just bundle it up until you get like 20 or 40 and just do one, uh, one update and you'll be good to go. I do wanna say what's up. If this is your first episode, if episode 439 is your first episode of the Simply Cyber Daily Brief 
excuse me, Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast. Say what's up and hashtag first timer in chat. Hashtag first timer in chat. We do love, I love welcoming first timers. I want them to know that they are more than welcome here and they don't have to be kind of like, um, you know, tote, uh, what is it called? Like walking on eggshells or toe tapping around or whatever. Like just get in here, have a good time. We're all about good times. Yeah, uh, so Comtia, Esteban, Esteban, you may want to check Comtia. Of all of them, I checked Isaka, I checked ISE Squared, now ISE2, and I checked one other one, they were good. Comtia, I didn't have a very, compa- like with the other ones, I can point directly to the policy and say right here is exactly where this briefing fits in. With Comtia, it was a little nebulous, so just be, be, uh, be sure. Oh, we got a couple first-timers in here. Ibera, Kenya, what's up? Hashtag first timer. If I said that incorrectly, I'm sorry. James McQuiggan coming in hot right off the rip with a super chat and Canadian money. Greetings from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Co- coffee, coffee cup cheers. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Uh, thank you very much, James. James McQuiggan. Also, James, I know this is going to sound ridiculous. <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, but James, I woke up in the middle of the night and I didn't dream about you, but I woke up in the middle of the night and instantly had an idea that involves you uh, and the Simply Cyber Conference in November. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll text you later. All right, guys, before we get into it and uh, shred uh, all the news stories, before we melt our faces on the hottest news of the day, let's uh, pay the bills a little bit and say shout out and thanks to the stream's sponsors for supporting the episodes and allowing me to bring this hotness all week long every single day starting with my good friends barricade cyber solutions barricade cyber solutions is dedicated to helping businesses recover uh, from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil but barricade cyber solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done believe that check them out links in the description below barricadecyber.com um TJ with 10 gifted subs. Thanks, TJ. If you're one, hey, if you're one of those lucky uh, 10 who just picked up the thing, um, Duo Tech, Bill Eck, if you just got squads, Usha, Matt McDaniel, Paul S., Kenneth Roth, thank you very much, TJ. And also, uh, be sure to get into that uh, emote tray and really dig in and have some fun with that. Also want to say shout out to Panopsi Security. Panopsi, get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. Panopsi Security, I talked to Brandon Poole on Friday, actually, um, doing great work over there. Um, just know this, guys. If you are reactive, if you're running information security at your business, maybe you've asked to be become uh, in charge of information security at someone's business. What's up, Alana? Good to see you. And you don't really know what you're doing. Consider talking with Panopsi Security. They can absolutely get with you and help you develop an information security program that is fit for your business, fit for your size, and everything that you can do. Um, Panopsi Security, link in the description below. Also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon, but more about them at the mid-roll. I see a super chat came in. Uh, Kyle Murphy, this is my cup of coffee to say thank you for the pass the baton. I had a 7,000% increase in activity. I connected with so many people. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much, Kyle. And there you go. Yet another example of why, uh, how powerful networking can be and just connecting with Kyle. Guys, if you don't, if you're a first timer here 
and you don't know about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, stay tuned for the mid-roll. I'll get into it, but Kyle's 100% right. And Kyle, thanks for the super chat. I'm really glad that you got value from the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. I'm going to take a slug of this coffee. We've got about 28 seconds before the news just starts pouring over us in an awesome wave. Slim Middy, good to see you. Ben Middleton, good to see you. Jake Berg, how are you, Team Live? Good to see you. Salman Mustafa. B Panther, thanks for the squad membership. All right, guys, do me a favor. Get your coffee cup, get your drink of choice, settle in, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. See you at the mid-roll. Whoops. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> I was so amped up and so so geeked up to go this morning that I forgot to um <laughs> I forgot to cue the story up. Guys, um I know I know it looks like I'm just up here goofing around but like um it I, it's a lot to like host produce mod in well thank god for the moderators but uh give me a second. Sometimes I make mistakes. <laughs> At least I own it. Uh Carl. All right, here, hold on guys. Here we go. Come on, Jerry. Come on, come on, come on. All right, let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. <laughs> See you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, August 28th, 2023. Cisco fixes flaws in NXOS and FXOS software. Among the flaws that Cisco fixed this past week are three of high severity that had the potential to lead to denial-of-service events. The three are part of a collection that formed part of Cisco's semi-annual FXOS and NXOS Software Security Advisory bundled publication released last Wednesday are numbered CVE 2023-20200 that resides in the Simple Network Management Protocol service of Cisco FXOS Software for Firepower Appliances, also, 20169, which affects Nexus 3000 and 9000 series switches, and 20168, the TACAX Plus and RADIUS remote authentication for NXOS software. Cisco states it is not aware of any of these vulnerabilities being actively exploited in the wild. All right, so really quickly, first of all, shout out to Cyber Munchkin. Congratulations, Cyber Munchkin, crushing that CYSA Plus uh, exam. Love it, love it, love it. All right, so check it out. Cisco fixing three high severity uh, denial of service flaws. And high, like when they say high severity, like I'm not saying that they're uh, not high, but they're seven, 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 four. So, um, you know, I guess maybe if you get north of eight, we're going to call it critical, but um, they're not being actively exploited in the wild, which, you know, first of all, tells you that you don't need to drop everything and go fix this. Second of all, um, it's, it's a very specific um, denial of service attack. You can basically send a malformed packet into the router and it basically chokes and pukes on itself because it doesn't know how to handle it. What's interesting is it's an SNMP uh, packet or proto SNMP protocol um, that's that's vulnerable to this for the um, uh, packet malform and not being able to handle it. So don't think that SNMP is just, you know, old school and, you know, what, what, what you read about in museums and stuff like that. It's still, it's still out there. It's still, uh, germane to, um, enterprise operations. 
the NX and FX series. I've heard of NX, um, Cisco Gear. FX I'm not familiar with, but um, typically I'm thinking that this tech is more in larger enterprises. You're not going to just like have one of these thrown up like a ASA or something. It's This is for uh, like radius servers they had mentioned or uh, maybe VPN concentrators. Like, again, I'm not familiar with this particular line of uh, hardware, but my thinking is A, if you're running this hardware, you likely have IT staff or networking staff who are like, you know, dedicated to this. So they'll be able to tell you whether or not um, they're running this gear. Second of all, the severity is not being actively exploited again. So you don't need to like flip out, but you should forward this over to your networking team or forward this over to your um, IT team. And they should include this in regular standard patch maintenance, right? They should have patch windows, patch maintenance. Um, I, w I would be curious. Um, I, I, I would be curious whether or not, um, in the world of, you know, patching things and maintenance downtime and stuff like that, even, even, um, access permissions and stuff in my experience, uh, servers and applications get a lot of the focus as far as like, Oh, like we, do we have that? Let's make sure networking gear typically doesn't get that same level of focus. Like I'm not saying that the networking people are special snowflakes or that they're, you know, outside the scope of, you know, IT architecture and the enterprise. But it just, in my experience, servers get the primary focus, then endpoints, obviously, then applications, if you've got enough like um, maturity in your program to go dig into applications. And I'm talking, when I say applications, I mean like big applications like SAP and other ERP or enterprise resource planning type things that, you know, do forecasting and HR and stuff like that. You typically don't get in there because it's very specialized. And then networking gear, yes, you know about it, but it's typically like, you know, you're hooking into it with your own um, Gigamon um, kind of like firewall or your own IDS solution and something like that. You're not really, you're not really getting into networking switches and routers so much as an information security professional. I'd be interested on in how other people's experiences typically been with that. But in my my career, um, you, you don't typically kind of drill into those things. You know, you might say, hey, this thing came out for Cisco. You know, can you guys patch it when it comes up? Or, hey, we're, there's like this Fortinet vulnerability that's actively being exploited. Are we at risk? There are those conversations. But like ongoing maintenance and operations, you typically don't mess with the networking people. Uh, really quick, I also want to say SU over on YouTube, usually a hashtag passive. Very happy that SU is stepping into the light of social networking. Acing the GSEC last Friday. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Nailing it. So good. So good. Windows preview updates bring blue screen of death. The Windows 11 and 10 preview updates that were released by Microsoft last week brought an old friend along. The updates numbered KB5029351 and KB5029331 for Windows 11 and 10 respectively triggered a blue screen with the stop code unsupported processor. Affected users stated the updates were automatically rolled back after a few reboots. Microsoft is investigating. Okay. FBI. All right. This is really, <laughs> first of all, unsupported processor. That is kind of a weird, um, it's kind of a weird 
uh, error message. Second of all, uh, this is just like a little fun fact. Back in the day when you would get a blue screen of death, it was like, it basically looked like a segmentation fault error and like the computer's just puking last messages to the screen, which could be helpful for debugging purposes or if you're an IT person trying to troubleshoot because you're getting kind of like the last remnants of memory and stuff like that, but a very unpractical and unuseful for end users. And then with Windows 10, I think it was, now the blue screen of death has like a sad emoji face, which is like, <laughs> I guess to make the end user feel a little bit better, but like completely um, not useful uh, for IT people. Although I would say, I don't know any IT person ever that was like looking at the uh, blue screen of death and being like, oh yes, there's there's where it is. I see it right there in memory. So that's just like a little uh, personal walk down memory lane. Now, Windows update, here's the thing. If you are rolling Windows updates out to your enterprise I, um, I haven't said this in a while. You should be rolling out patches in a, um, it, it, like in a, in a very deliberate way. Okay. So like, let me just take you on a, like a little trip here. When you roll out patches to your environment, like let's say you have a thousand employees or a thousand workstations. Cause that's what you're patching. You're not patching the humans. You shouldn't just hit the YOLO button and let the patch go. What you should do is IT people should patch their systems first, right? Make sure it works. If it doesn't, you you know, IT people have the skills to be able to, you know, revert it or back it up or whatever. Then you should um, have like champions if you can do this, but get key people in each department, right? So someone in HR, someone in finance, someone in accounting, whatever, have them apply the patches and see if it breaks, not really their Windows operating system, but like the critical applications they rely on. Like I mentioned earlier, SAP or ERP, uh, ERP solutions like SAP uh, or some whatever. Sometimes you have like some one-off special application that, you know, somebody wrote in Access Database in 1987 and like somehow it's become critical infrastructure for your business, whatever. My point is you have the different departments patch and find out if it breaks anything then you roll it all the way out. If you just hit YOLO, you are going to experience pain at some point. I'm not saying today. I'm not saying tomorrow. I'm just saying at some point, you're going to learn why the process is what I just told you it was instead of just going ham on it, okay? Anyways, so for this one, you know, whatever. Windows is investigating it. It says if you reboot it a few times, it goes through. So it's it's not even that, like, uh, consistent a bug. I don't know. You got to remember windows operating system is like been around a while it's got like millions of lines of code i've heard uh i don't know if this is true but i've heard that there's tons of like code in windows operating system that um people don't even know what it does they've just commented it out or they don't want to touch it because they don't know what it does so it's an incredibly complex piece of software that is you know got lots of people working on it constantly making updates so this is not uncommon for an issue to happen, right? And they'll get it fixed. I warns a Barracuda bug still has bite. The FBI states that Barracuda Network's email security gateway appliances that have been patched against a recent zero-day bug continue to be at risk of potential compromise from suspected Chinese hacking groups. It calls the recent fixes, quote, ineffective, end quote, and that, quote, it continues to observe active intrusions and considers all affected Barracuda ESG appliances to be compromised and vulnerable to this exploit, end quote. The bug is numbered CVE 2023-2868 with a CVSS score of 9.8 and is thought to have been active more than seven months before the fix was delivered.
All right. Um, just reading, Barracuda got contacted by the uh, publication and they gave an update. We recommend, oof, this is an ugly look. We recommend customers replace their compromised appliance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what kind of sound effect can I play for that one? Um, uh, maybe this one, I guess? Like, Catch me outside. How about that? I don't know, man. Dude, this is a, such a hideous look for Barracuda. Again, I trash on Barracuda, um, Fortinet, Zixel, QNAP. There's certain brands that I just trash on. Um, and it's just based on, I mean, I'm sure they're good people that work there, but their products seem to uh, be issues. All right, so check this out. Th to me, there's a couple things going on in here. Obviously, FBI. There's a couple things here. One, the FBI, so a federal government agency issued a statement saying that a private sector company's um, a patch is ineffective. That's a pretty, like, I know it seems like whatever, but th dude, that's pretty strong. Think about that. A public sector agency <clears throat> came out and stated that a private sector agency did, like, what they did to protect their customers is ineffective, right? That's not a good look. You don't see that very often. Secondly, uh, Barracuda trying to fix it um, and, says, and, and says in their report, Barracuda, in response to this, says, we remain consistent for our customers, but out of an abundance of caution, you may want to replace your compromised appliance. Bro, that is like not a good look. If you're a business, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like oh, you're driving like a Chevy pickup and like they've been seen exploding and that like Chevy's like, you might want to replace it. Like, what about the, in, what about my sunk cost into your solution? What about the poor sons of guns who bought Barracuda gear like a month ago? Like, what are you going to do with that? How, how, like, ugh, gross. Um, I don't know what this patch is. Uh, excuse me, I don't know what the vulnerability is, but because it's an email security gateway, you have to imagine that, first of all, it's an internet-facing appliance, so it could just be getting straight compromised, which if they're saying replace it, that's what it is. Um, secondly, your email gateway, uh, and I know there was a report last week uh, from Rick Storm about the um, attacks are more network server based instead of email. I stand firm that email is still a primary initial attack vector for threat actors of any type. So if they can get their hands on the security solution that's supposed to be protecting email for your organization, it's game over, man, right? The, the the phone calls are coming from inside the house at that point. So, um, anyways, looks like it's a China Nexus activity cluster uh, who's doing it. It's been attacked since 2022. Whatever. You know, I, I hate to say it, um, and I, I'm going to try to make this as appropriate for uh, Kennedy and, and, and Jaden as possible, but, like, if you've ever seen the, uh, the XY chart where – F around is the vertical and find out is the bottom. And it's like, it's, it's completely linear upward. Dude, you, if you're going to run gear like this, <laughs> your F around uh, variable is much higher. Okay. Therefore you're going to find out. You just got to be careful. <laughs> Jeez. New Chinese hacking group spying on Taiwanese organizations. 
Microsoft has named this new group Flax Typhoon and states that its goal is to, quote, not only perform espionage on targeted Taiwanese entities, but maintain access to organizations across a broad range of industries for as long as possible, end quote. The reach of this campaign also stretches to Africa and North America. Microsoft describes the group's technique as one that, quote, gains initial access by exploiting vulnerabilities in public-facing servers before deploying a VPN connection and collecting credentials from victim systems. They further state that the group's traffic is nearly indistinguishable from legitimate HTTPS traffic, which most network security appliances would not block. Yeah. All right, so there's a lot going on here. Um, yes, uh, just like Kim really... So I'm going to bring this up, Kimberly, just in, in in response to that previous story, right? Like, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> that is uh, a mathematical proof. Okay. Uh, all right. So more China espionage. couple things. One, typhoon. Um, it, it's funny, flax typhoon. I guess oat, oat milk typhoon was uh, taken. But typhoon is a Microsoft... Um, designation okay so if you see typhoon storm if you see like basically it's like game of thrones if you see kind of weather related naming convention it's microsoft they got they giddied up on um westeros and, and took the naming convention um so anyways china very very good at espionage uh what they're doing here they're attacking t- taiwan no big surprise there china uh there's a lot of parallels between like china and taiwan and russia and ukraine if you are this isn't a political show, but if you're not familiar with what the relationships are, it's kind of like that. China sees Taiwan not as its own independent country, but as a um, a disobedient uh, child state that needs to get its you know crap back in order. Okay, so that's what's going on there, and there's numerous examples of how China has flexed geopolitically about that. Um, Google John Cena Taiwan and Google Top Gun Taiwan. Those are two great examples, especially the John Cena one. That's incredibly cringy. Okay, so check it out. This is not anything outrageous. In fact, this is, yeah, Flaming Donkey. Thank you, Michael McBride. This is basically Espionage 101. China or China-based hackers, right? So maybe they're not Chinese. Incredibly likely they are since Taiwan is the victims. Here's the deal. They search for public-facing network uh, assets. Okay. Then they compromise them. Then from there, they, they uh, build a VPN tunnel. And then they go in and then they start exfilling out. And the exfil goes across HTTPS outbound, so port 443 outbound, which is a really good move if you're into espionage and not getting caught because A, um, the data is encrypted. That's why it's HTTPS, right? All Second of all, no business in the world, no business in the world, right? I mean, that's that's too that's too ultimate a statement. Ninety nine point nine nine percent of all businesses in the world are going to allow outbound four four three traffic. It's just the way the world works. SaaS solutions are accessed over four four three. You checking your your personal email or paying a bill online or doing anything, going to Twitter. Anything, check, you know, anything. It's over 443, okay? Like, we're happy that it's encrypted, but bad guys can encrypt it too. And when it's encrypted, you can't see it either. It's not like you get a golden key. Now, I will say that there are TLS 
um, decrypt, ecrypt, um, choke points that some people will put in their environments. But there is a performance cost because when the data is traversing through, you have to spend the time decrypting it and then either looking at it um, or moving it off to storage or duplicating it and moving it off, then re-encrypt it. And you have to like fake the, it's basically a man in the middle attack with certificates for encryption and decryption. So it's a lot of work. It introduces performance problems. It's possible. I don't know a lot of organizations that do it. Um, but anyways, this is how China's getting away with this stuff. And like I said, to me, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm always open to uh, constructive criticism. This right here is an absolute, um, you know, it's, it's, it's attack kill chain 101. Um, so, you know, if you're looking, if you're new to the industry and you're like looking for an example on how, how it's done, um, this is a great, nice little case study. Now, give me a second right now, because I did, um, tell the CISO series guys that I would, um, display a certain image. Here we go. There we go. All right, let's do the mid roll. And now a word from our sponsor app Omni. Over-provisioned users could lead to your most sensitive data being exposed or leaked. Just a single attack on one of those users may compromise your entire SaaS estate. With AppOmni's SaaS Identity Fabric, secure and manage end-users, entitlements, and threat-based activity. Gain visibility and control over provisioned users, the SaaS data they have access to, and receive guided remediation. Get connected with SaaS security experts at appomni.com. That's A-P-P-O-M-N-I dot com. Okay, hey, really quickly, NSA Virus Lab says Microsoft's new APT naming system is interesting. Sad peeps can't get together and settle on a APT naming convention. I just want to comment on that. I used to be firmly in that same camp, NSA Virus Lab, about like, dude, why is it, why is it like, you know, um, whatever, like, Flax Typhoon or AKA Kimisuki, AKA, you know, Flaming Donkey, AKA Inferno Panda, right? Like, I, and I know those are not the same, same ones, but I used to be of that ilk and a CTI person actually uh, mentioned me or DM'd me and was like, part of the reason is because different organizations like Microsoft, Palo Alto, FireEye, they have different analysts doing different levels of research, different levels of dark web intelligence gathering, different levels of attribution confidence. So when, you know, uh, Microsoft says Flax Typhoon um, absolutely did this and, you know, FireEye says, well, this this group over here did it. Like th the reason they don't want to say Flax Typhoon because they might think it's someone else or they have lower confidence. So it's a way for them to compartmentalize uh, accountability, frankly, uh, for that. So I still hate it. I wish that they all, it, I wish it was just like Flax Typhoon slash FireEye or Flax Typhoon slash Microsoft. And you could take the researcher and attribute it onto the name so we could all be on the same page. I'm with you. I think there's a better way to do it. All right. Here we go. It's the mid roll, everybody. Holla, holla, holla. Hope everyone's having a good day. Um, Rad and Pearl say hi. What's up, Rad and Pearl? Love it, love it, love it. All right, guys. Hey, if you're getting educational value, if you're getting entertainment value, if you're not driving, do me a favor and hit the like button right now. Um, we'll count uh, Dan, Pearl, and Rad as three likes. So we'll, whatever, the, whatever the total is today, we'll do plus three to that. 
But seriously, do me a favor, hit the like button, not for my stats, I don't care about that. By hitting the like button, enough of us, there's 330 of us here right now, it'll trigger the YouTube algorithm and it'll go tell other uh, people on YouTube who are looking for cybersecurity content that we're doing this and that you guys, let's be real, all of you look for cybersecurity content on YouTube. You probably have other interests, but all of you look for cyber stuff. So if you're all hitting the like button, it'll say who? You, hey, you like cyber too. Maybe you like this show. So pay it forward. It's how we grow our community. All right. I want to thank the show sponsors, obviously, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi for all they do. I also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon Training. They're here to help you. They're Anti-Siphon Training. It's run by John Strand. Um, they are just a phenomenal group of people over at Black Hills Information Security. So good that they got their own emote in the squad tray. So if you're uh, a recent squad member, definitely take advantage of that John Strand explosion. Anti-Siphon Training is here to disrupt the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of financial position. When you click on the link in the description, go to training, go to pay what you can, and look at this. All these courses and more are pay whatever you can. Your choice, $0, $25, $100, full price, $575. Um, go for it. Active Defense and Cyber Deception, I did it, paid $300. Got my employer to pay for it. Noise, and uh, yeah, don't let don't let financial uh, circumstances uh, prevent you from learning and educating yourself. All right, guys, we got the um, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Kyle Murphy had the baton. He passed it to Jaya. Jaya has accepted. Nice, Jaya. Hey, check it out. Very simple. Jaya is going to go on LinkedIn, share Jaya's cybersecurity story. He's gonna use the hashtag simply cyber community challenge. All you guys have to do, if you wanna have a supercharged, uh, potent LinkedIn network and feed, go on LinkedIn, search for Jaya's post, search for Kyle's post. All you gotta do is look for this hashtag, connect with the people who are posting and in the comments, you yourself comment on the post and you'll get picked up into the Peloton and people will start uh, growing you, Kyle Murphy, um, shared a personal story 7,000 percent increase in value of his network i'm sure that's uh <laughs> anecdotal evidence but it's still good trust me you will be happy in two weeks time if you do this just put in the work it's like it's like 10 minutes of work a day it's nothing and you will have a supercharged linkedin feed all right guys every single day of the week is a special day on mondays it is callan's art of the week now, Callan didn't draw anything today, but he did do something pretty cool that I took a picture of yesterday. So this is Callan. Uh, you can see here I've, I've redacted his eyes for privacy reasons, but this is Callan, and he built a super fort. Uh, you know, and I love that he's into security. We've got double, um, double Nerf gun protections. He's got his back to the wall, so no one's getting up on his six. And then if you look really closely, you could see He's actually got an iPad running full surveillance for his main uh, his main window. Now, where I'm taking the picture, I was actually guarding uh, a side door uh, with a Nerf rifle. And look at this kid, so happy, so chill. Way to go, Callan, with your artistic ability to uh, erect fortresses in addition to awesome art. We definitely appreciate it. All right, guys, thanks so much. Let's get back into the news. See you guys at the end. Wi-Fi Recon uses Wi-Fi to sniff out infected systems.
According to the SecureWorks Counter Threat Unit, the malware called Smoke Loader is being used to drop Wi-Fi Recon onto compromised Windows computers. This is spelt W-H-I-F-F-Y-R-E-C-O-N. This code triangulates the positions of the vulnerable systems through the use of nearby Wi-Fi access points and Google's geolocation API. In a statement, SecureWorks stated, quote, it is unclear how the threat actors use this data. Demonstrating access to geolocation information could be used to intimidate victims or pressure them to comply with demands, end quote. Mm, okay. Okay, so I actually have a, my initial thoughts are different on what they would use this for. So let me, let me share this with you. Uh, okay, so smoke loader, that's a really, I mean, I'm not super familiar with smoke loader, but I remember even in 2017 hearing about smoke loader. I'm almost positive that's a FireEye naming convention, by the way. Um, just, you know, fact check me on that, but I'm almost positive this is a FireEye, uh, named, uh, convention. Um, basically they drop this malware and it scans using the wireless network card. Thanks, Abdul, for a second month squad membership. Listen, um, it scans for wireless network information, collects it, and then sends it back, uh, over the C2 channel to the threat actor. So what value is it for a threat actor to know what wireless networks this individual can access or this compromised asset. If I may uh, offer a suggestion, there is a website called Wiggle, okay? This website called Wiggle, it's like a crowdsourced uh, website that allows you to see basically all wireless network information, okay? And it's like, you know, if I go around war driving and then I upload what I found in here, that's how this Wiggle network is built. We see Cody Kinsey use Wiggle all the time. My very first thought here is, because the, the, the threat actors aren't going to be like jumping across wireless networks to do attacks. My first thought here is they're collecting information and then they're going to plug it into Wiggle and see where that uh, endpoint is. Is it downtown New York City? Is it in a high rise in the financial service, financial sector? Is it in a you know, a bar in, you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico, like in the seedy side of town on the wrong side of the tracks. You know what I mean? Like for me, we saw this with um, Conti ransomware, but we've seen it numerous times. Threat actors, like, it, frankly, information security posture isn't great, right? Bad cyber hygiene everywhere. So threat actors are actually getting wholesale compromises and they don't actually have Oh, it's a CrowdStrike name. Thank you. It's security all. I appreciate that. So um, here's the deal. Threat actors are getting compromised assets, whether it's malvertising, whether it's uh, spray and pray, right? So if you're if you're a threat actor, right? Let's let's make Stephanie Strauss a threat actor for a second. Stephanie casts like, a, you know, a shotgun blast of stuff out, right? She's not doing targeted espionage. She's trying to get like whatever and every... So when she logs into her admin panel and she sees like 50 compromised hosts. Well, how does Stephanie know how to prioritize which ones are the juicy, you know, um, you know, the, which ones are the jelly donuts and which ones are stale old donut holes, right? Which ones are the high value and which ones are the, nah, like, nah, right? Because at the end of the day, honestly, guys, you got to remember threat actors, 
They only like time is a finite resource. I don't care how evil you are or how righteous you are. You've only got so much time. So if you're going to be maximizing your investment, your time on return on your investment, you want to know which one to go for. So to me, this is a use case for this uh, wiggle, uh, excuse me, Wi-Fi scanning. Just a thought, just a thought. Marcus G with the re-up on four months. Thanks. Uh, just be mindful. Obviously, if you're running EDR solutions, um, you should catch this smoke loader. You might want to check in your environment. I'm sure you can go on like Malware Bazaar and download smoke loader. Um, that's it. Troll data breach caused by SIM swapping. The New York City-based financial and risk advisory firm Kroll states in an advisory dated last Friday that the incident, which occurred on August 19th, happened because, quote, T-Mobile, without any authority from or contact with Kroll or its employee, transferred that employee's phone number to the threat actor's phone at their request, end quote. This gave the unidentified assailant access to files containing personal information of bankruptcy claimants in the matters of BlockFi, FTX, and Genesis. The company noted that it took immediate steps to secure the three affected accounts and notified impacted individuals by email. While an investigation is underway, Kroll said it found no evidence to indicate that other systems or accounts had been affected. Uh, okay, a couple of things. Uh, one... Sim swapping is still a thing, okay? Two, I personally have seen, in, in again, this is just anecdotal evidence. I don't want to get sued. Um, to me, I see more, I'm never going to have T-Mobile. I guess I'll put it this way. I see more sim swapping incidents involving T-Mobile than any other major carrier. I don't know if that's just where I live or just the news feeds I consume, but to me, if there's a SIM swapping attack, I put $5 on the table and say, I bet you it's T-Mobile, right? I put five on it. I, I know I'm terrible singing, but you know what I'm, if you know what I'm singing, you know what I'm singing, okay? Um, second of all, SIM swapping, why would you do SIM swapping? Basically, when you get a new phone and they take the little uh, card out and they plug it into a new phone and your, your new phone activates, it tells you which, who owns your phone. You're supposed to have controls around that so some jack wagon can't walk into the store and become my phone. Uh, but at T-Mobile, obviously, you know, some guy's making like 14 bucks an hour working at a T-Mobile store or $20 an hour, whatever. Like, let's say he's the manager. Let's give him 50 bucks an hour. Yeah. Well, if a criminal walks in who's about to commit a cryptocurrency. Um, I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Right. If, if, if a crypt, you know, like you're about to rob a hundred thousand dollars. What difference does it make if you give the T-Mobile rep three grand? Dude, here's three thousand dollars. Change my phone number. OK. Right. Like, blah, blah. So that's that. And then why do they do SIM swapping? If you don't know, like if you ever get a text message as your second factor of authentication, the bad guy is going to get the text message now and you're not. If you want to know if you're a victim of uh, SIM swapping, if all of a sudden you don't have service, <laughs> um, good chance or you know what I mean? Like it, it's you, you better you better you better look into that immediately. Also, when they do swim swapping, they don't goof around. They're not like, oh, Got the I, I did the sim swap. Now I'm gonna go uh go take a nap. So you gotta move quick, okay? All right, oh yeah. Nick Barker, inflation's a heck of a inflation's terrible. 
Uh, anyways, and then Kroll. Kroll's like a major security player, faceless. Um, I won't get into Kroll. Cockpit 3.0 ransomware builder helps create numerous variants. Kaspersky says it has noticed a number of ransomware intrusions that used a variation of Lockbit, but with different ransom demand procedures accompanying it. This is apparently a result of the leak of Lockbit 3.0 ransomware that occurred last year. These new demands ask for specific amounts and provide email addresses for communication, something that Lockbit never did. Kaspersky adds that of 396 Lockbit samples under its observation, 312 were created using the leaked builders, with 77 samples making no reference to Lockbit in the ransom note. The researchers suggest these may have been developed for, quote, urgent needs or possibly by lazy actors, end quote. <laughs> cool! You are so dumb. You are really dumb, for real. Built by lazy actors. That's really funny uh, to say it outright. Uh, really quick, this this uh, this graphic here is kind of funny. Um, I just really really quick. Uh, this is a timeline. Eight nineteen. Mimikatz detected by security con control. Right. So Mimikatz, a well known uh, credential dumper on Windows boxes, um, fingerprint. It you know like basically your EDR solution sees it. Five minutes later, security control was tampered. Mimikatz executed. Like what, bro? Okay, so here's the deal. Lockbit, it's a fairly effective ransomware malware. Uh, the, the real power of Lockbit is more in their affiliate model and just how, how, how well they run their operation. They are a well-run business. Uh, so they're, they're everywhere and up in everyone's business. Uh, in fact, they're so, they're so successful that they're actually reaching... Um, it was reported like two weeks ago that they're actually flexing beyond their capabilities because they are going gangbusters. And some of their clients, some of their affiliates are actually leaving them for other ones because they're having infrastructure issues. They're having um, delays in payments and stuff like that. Like they're having like tech startup um, unicorn status type troubles with their customer base. Like I'm not making this up. This is real. Um, it, it, like I said, it was just reported a few weeks ago. Um, they do build their ransomware. It's it's not like one si it's not just like one piece of malware that they just reuse cuz EDR solutions will detect it so they need to have a builder so it's got different hashes, different functionality. You can you can make it modular and do other things um etc. The the builder got out and like any other piece of malware that gets out, other threat actors who are capable enough are going to weaponize it for their own devices. And that's basically what we're seeing here. So this is, um, you know, this sucks. This sucks for, the, for us um, as defenders. I said it before, ransomware is a blight on our society. And all those reports of like, oh, there's been a, a marked decrease in ransomware activity. And I was like, guys, like pump the brakes. Like let's not injure ourselves, patting ourselves on the back. At the time when it was reported, it was most likely because Russia was conscripting everybody into the army to go into Ukraine. And just because you're, uh, you know, working in Eastern Europe as a cyber criminal threat actor with um, top cover because the government, like, basically doesn't enforce, the government's not going to attack you because you're attacking the adversaries. That doesn't matter when they need boots on the ground. So to me, that was always the reason why there was a dip in ransomware activity. But this is just going to continue to throttle it up. And we'll see more of this 
uh, more of this action. Again, I'll say this every day, all day. Ransomware, make sure you get your protection controls in place. Make sure your recovery controls are in place and make sure that you're practicing recovery processes, right? And if you don't have any of those, maybe you call Barricade Cyber, right? To help you recover or you call Panopsi to help you protect, right? This is before bad happens. This is after bad happens, all right? Doing nothing is a terrible option. I'll just leave you with that. Doing nothing and acting like the business and saying, well, nothing bad happened today, so I don't think we need to invest because probability, nothing bad's going to happen tomorrow. Believe me, I have seen people who have just suffered a catastrophic ransomware incident, and they look like they just got home from work and their house had burned down. Like you're just, it's like, it's like shell shocked. Okay. You don't want this. Believe me. Government agency in France suffers data breach. The Unemployment Registration and Financial Aid Agency arm of the government of France called Paul Emploi has confirmed a data breach that affects an estimated 10 million people. The breach involves full names and social security numbers, but not email addresses, phone numbers, passwords or banking information. MSysoft has listed Paul Emploi on its MoveIt page, but the Klopp ransomware gang behind the massive MoveIt hacking spree has not yet published the French agency on its extortion site. Just a reminder, we will not be hosting. All right. So, I mean, Polet employ a French government uh, unemployment registration had 10 million records leaked. It has to do with the MoveIt breach, obviously. Not obviously, but I assume Conti. I don't think they said Conti in the story, but Conti's the one who's got the largest footprint with the uh, MoveIt breach. Uh, 10 million people compromised. You know, like, I'm sorry, France, but... You know what I mean? Like United States says, hold my beer or hold my glass of wine. I guess maybe it would be more appropriate for France. Matthew Hibbert with a squad upgrade. Thank you, Matthew. Um, it sucks, dude. It sucks for anyone that gets uh, hit with uh, privacy data. Uh, you know, I myself, uh, I I had the pleasure of dealing with some jack wagon who tried to file uh, taxes for me in 2022. Had a nice call with the IRS on on Friday. So it sucks. There are impacts um, when data like this gets out and it's not cool. Uh, we'll see if anything happens with it. Um, there's a lot of ways for people to weaponize it. You know, it's just at this day and age, um, it's almost like assume your data has been compromised, not assume that you've protected it well enough, right? Hold my baguette. <laughs> That's right. All right, guys, uh, pretty solid show today. Really quickly, before you go, if you were here just for the news, I haven't put it on the street. I haven't scheduled it, but just a reminder, today at 4 p.m., I will be playing World. Uh, I'll be playing Haiku Pro. I'll be doing a CTF, Capture the Flag Challenge. We listen to music. We hang out. I am wearing my Red Team shirt, coincidentally. I didn't plan this, but I'll be doing Red Team things. Uh, actually, I'll be doing pen tester things i'm not red team but um so ho holler for that um and thursday i know this is like a complete 180 from pen testing on uh, pop and shells but thursday my guest is going to be jeffrey smith for simply cyber live he is the cybersecurity insurance expert that i talked about i asked you guys 
um, if you wanted a cyber expert, insurance, cyber insurance expert, and you said yes. Uh, so I got um, Jeffrey to come on. Great guy. I met him years ago at Black Hat, and um, I stay friends with him to this day. So I just, I haven't scheduled these things because I'm busy. But don't worry, because next week I might have a little bit more free time. Um, if you want, stay tuned. We're going to switch over to jaw jacking in a hot minute. But if you were here just for the news, thank you very much. Again, I hope you got value. I appreciate you taking 4 p.m. Kyle Murphy, Eastern Time. I appreciate you all taking time out of your day to get started this week with, uh, with me and with the Simply Cyber community. Much love. We'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern, as we always are. But now it's time to switch over to jaw jacking and have a good time. See y'all. I got to get the, uh, the old, I got to get the old, uh, chat window up. Hold on one second. I got to, I got to get a better workflow for this. It's like, I always have to click on things. That's not going to work. All right. Look at us. How, what would be a good, like kicking into it? Uh, there we go. All right, guys. So this is jaw Jack. And if you're a first timer here at the end of the news briefing, which is really formal and professional ish, uh, we pivot over to. Uh, you know, Netflix and chill or retro synth and chill over here uh, really quickly. So it's all about good times. All right, guys, made some major progress on the studio this weekend. Mrs. Ozier's going gangbusters out there. Um, oh, no problem, Jenny. We'll, we'll miss you uh, at Haiku today. Um, we're going gangbusters out there. Built-ins are going up, uh, looking tight. Um, the, the attention to detail has definitely got a higher degree of integrity and fidelity than I do. Uh, a lot, a lot of leveling going on, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of doing it correctly instead of the way I would do it. So, uh, absolutely love it. How's everyone doing? You guys have a good weekend. It was a lot of, it was a lot of, uh, work and play for me. Yeah. Ma Marcus Kyler, Marcus, I told Mrs. Ozier about our conversation there. Uh, she, she loved it. God, I'm out of coffee. Guys, nothing worse than when you want a sip of coffee and like you reach for it and then there's none. Now I got like the dredge, the dregs here. I hope the hurricane doesn't mess. What hurricane? I didn't even know about a hurricane. Posted a screenshot of LinkedIn metrics. Don't sell yourself short. It literally was a huge percentage. Two recruiters and even company has even reached out. My man, Kyle Murphy. Nailing it. Carrie's asking, I have a question. Found a way to learn COBOL as well as many other studies. Just wondering if there's a way to use COBOL. I learned it in high school when I was a senior. Uh, Carrie, I would not invest time in COBOL right now. There is COBOL jobs, but we covered in the news story just last week that um, AI, like IBM is using AI to transition COBOL into Java. So I think that that's an expiring market. So I wouldn't focus your energy there. Nick Barker dropping a super chat. Nick, thanks so much. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you for doing something I've been attempting to do for years. Get me excited for Monday morning. <laughs> right? You make the difference for so many of us. Thank you, Nick Barker. Hey, guys, just, just a quick shout out to Nick Barker. Nick is on the left coast. Nick is on the west coast. It's 5.54 a.m. Nick gets up, um, hits the elliptical, and comes in correct 
uh, every single morning, but uh, even on Monday mornings when it can be a little tough to get up. So, Nick, uh, I really appreciate that. It's great to have you team live. Uh, ooh, Sean Peral, learning to use volatility all weekend wrong. It's funny you say that. I actually have that on my dry erase board that I wrote like um, a while ago. I, I forget what volatility is. Would you recommend it? Would you recommend someone learn it? Um, open source memory forensics. It's from Veronis. Ooh. Uh, guys, I've got a soft spot for like good graphics. This is why I always freak out when there's not a good vulnerability logo. Oh, good luck, Frank, with the uh, the POE and the client. I love it. Um, so volatility, I'm just looking at volatility. Looks like it's a uh, Linux-based. It's definitely Linux. Uh, Python. It's a Python script, and it looks like you just, like, feed it a... Uh, oh, it's a framework. But here, yeah, it looks like you feed it a, uh, a file some arguments and off you're running very cool i look forward to checking that out look forward to checking that out uh question coming in oh yeah we got these uh frank and carrie things so very cool very cool hey also open to constructive feedback you know this this layout is obviously done by me not a graphic designer the the morning threat briefing i actually paid someone on fiverr to make it so that's why i think it looks more professional i do like the retro synthwave um situation uh, any laptop recommendations for playing with AI, David asks. So David, if you're thinking of building your own large model, uh, large, what's L, LLM, large language models on your machine, then yeah, you should have a beefy machine, high-end GPU, all that stuff. Um, for laptops, I would say that um, Alienware and then my laptop, um, I bought um, one from a company called Redo. Let me let me show you guys because I actually showed Jesse Johnson this the other day. Um, I'm not saying you do this, okay? You really sh you really should look at like what you need first. I use this company to build my gaming laptop. I do not game. I do live streams, and I like I do a lot. There's there's a lot going on here that you guys may not. Fully understand. I'm running a lot of software right now in order to deliver this stream the way I do. So I needed a high-end machine. I'm sorry. This is my desktop um, workstation. The one that my laptop is. I think it, I got it at Costco. Let me see this really quickly. Yeah, I think this is what I got. Okay. And I think I think I actually got more RAM. But you see how it's got the. Um, you see how it's got the GPU in it and, you know, plenty of memory, all that stuff. So that's what I would recommend. Get Basically get a gaming laptop, even though you're not going to be doing gaming. Get a gaming laptop uh, for, your, for your needs. Okay, um, I see this uh, hurricane coming through. Let's spend a minute talking about this. What is this? All right. Um, does it even have a name? Tropical Storm Idalia? Um, yeah, okay, so it's going to be a tropical storm when it passes over South Carolina, where I live. Um, I think we're going to be okay. Like, anytime the storm goes over a large amount of land, it loses a lot of its steam. It's when it comes up across the Bahamas and comes right into this, like, um, little cul-de-sac here. 
that's where we, we start to get worried here in the in the low country. But I think we'll be all right. All right. Thank you, BSEC. Question, doctor. Sherry's asking. What's up, Sherry? Good to see Sherry. Big fan, guys. Sherry's relatively new to the community, maybe a couple months uh, into the community. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sherry. Grandmother looking to learn cybersecurity in order to engage with her grandkids a little bit better. And a squad member. Uh, is there a class on if you start a new company, how to set up security for a research center that's going to be built? How would we start? Thank you. All right, that's a great question, Sherry. Um, there is not a class on how to basically secure a new company. Um, so that is a little tricky. What I would recommend, Sherry, if you want, is two things. One, okay, so Sherry, really quickly, this is like the 30-second crash course on your question, right? Like, so basically someone comes to you, they're like, I'm going to start a new company. Will you secure it? And you're like, ah, okay, here's what you need to do. Ready? Multi-factor authentication for all the accounts. Start doing end user awareness training, like, like putting things in front of all users all the time. So they're constantly thinking of cyber hygiene. Those are like two critical things. And then tell them to, like you said, research center, but like tell them, do not put any you know, data, any business data, anything on any systems, cloud services, et cetera, without clearing it first. And really you should, you should define standards, right? Like we're a Microsoft Office 365 shop. Everybody should be using OneDrive for your files. Everybody should be using this for that, right? And then I would recommend if you want to start doing it correctly, uh, grab CIS 18 and start implementing that as a framework. It depends on how big the company is and how much money you've got. Um, but if you're going to be riding solo, CIS 18 is pretty good, especially if it's a small business. If you start getting a little bit bigger, uh, NIST cybersecurity frameworks where you want to live. Um, David asks, oh, no, that's a laptop one. D uh, AD says, best skill to learn to get into cyber. Ooh, best skill to learn to get into cyber, huh? That really depends what you want to do in cyber, right? I had like a back and forth with someone in comments about like the like the necessity of learning Python uh, over the weekend. Uh, frankly, if I'm reading your question very deliberately, AD, best skill to learn to get into cyber networking and not just technical networking, but like social networking. And I know that doesn't sound like a skill that applies here. But here's the thing. You said to get into cyber. I am telling you definitively, and people in Chad who have walked this walk can back me up on this. Social networking, building a network, like relationships, they will help you get into cyber much faster than being like super sick at Python or, you know, being able to like read logs. You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to know that you're capable of doing all these great things unless they know you're capable of doing these great things. You see what I'm saying? Like, I know that sounds silly, but like when you apply to a job, you're just a resume in a sea of resumes and like your value may not be properly communicated to the people reading it. But if they know you or someone knows you, uh, it's so, 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 so valuable. I just, I just helped a friend it, like the friend got the job completely on their own, completely on their own. The job was never posted. The job was never even, it wasn't not just posted. It was literally never even created in any HR system, right? There was a need. 
So, someone's job is going to become open very soon. I'll tell you guys about it next week, right? So if you're going to do do it right and try to backfill yourself, it, it's easy to, to pick when you know who can do it well. So that's what I would say. Uh, King Victory says, oh, we got a super chat coming in here. Faraz, I mean, how did I say this? Faraz Azari says, still studying CyberSec. Your stream is such a fun way to keep up with cyber news. Just become best friends. Yep. Thanks so much, Faraz. I love it. I love it. I love it. Cybersecurity. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much for the super chat. I love. Uh, I love that people find the stream fun. I have a ton of fun doing it as well. Uh, continuing on here, King Victory. Hi, Jerry. I hope you're doing great. I was wondering if you could briefly explain the usage of Linux as a SOC analyst. What version of Linux should I download? Thanks, iHeartNest. iHeartNest. Hey, let me just make sure I'm not late for any meetings really quickly. I am not. This is great. Um, I'll answer that in one second. This is a really cool super chat. Oh, my God. This is so cool. Uh, hold on. Who's, who said this? Oh, Sherry. Oh, thank you, Sherry, so much. First of all, uh, Sherry with the super chat. So, Sherry. Can we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you very much, Sherry. Second of all, this is a really cool super chat graphic. I love the duck with the... Uh, with the with the goggles, I was actually trying to find those goggles to put them on Callan in this uh, in this picture right here um, for the mid roll, but I, I couldn't with my time, so I just blacked his eyes out. But you know how it is. Thanks for the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Okay, so King Victory is saying, uh, explain the use of Linux as a socket and which one to download. All right, couple things, King Victory. I, I personally, I like Debian based. Um, Linux, almost all Linuxes are going to be very similar, especially if you're just learning Linux. Um, you're not really going to get into the root of like what's different. I like Debian because I'm used to saying like app get and, you know, like Kali, get Kali stood up. If you're using a Windows machine, check out WSL, Windows Subsystem Linux. It's very easy. Like for me, uh, here, showing my screen right now. For me, I just like click this and boom I got a Linux box right here right you see what I'm saying like it's very it's very very easy um, so I would recommend WSL get a Kali instance spin it up or Ubuntu uh, excuse me Ubuntu Ubuntu is basically like as close to Windows as you can get in my opinion uh, and then skills for uh, have a good one Jenny skills for the sock um, Jess Bishop, Stacy Loki, Eric Taylor, Casually Joseph, Tom Pike. If any of you are in here, uh, I would love your thoughts on this. If I was going to say uh, skills for the sock, um, what would Linux? I mean, the thing is, by learning Linux, um, you know, first of all, if you have to go into a Linux machine to do um, analysis or incident response, you, you you need to know how to navigate around it. Um, secondly. Um, that's a good question, King Victory. I'm not, I'm not really sure what would be like a dynamite skill to pick up in Linux to make a sock analyst more effective. I would love, um, I would love if there's a sock analyst in chat, if they had a thought on that. Marcus Kyler saying reading logs. Absolutely. Actually, you know, what's great about Linux. There's, there's, um, one of the, actually, so this is probably a, a key skill. So one of the cool things about Linux is that you can pipe outputs of one function as an input into the next function, right? 
So with Linux, you can take in like massive log files like Marcus Kyler's talking about, and you can, you know, basically pair it through to like look for certain things, or you can use it to feed into other applications so you can be much more efficient and speedy instead of like opening an Excel spreadsheet, filtering, copy and paste it into a new spreadsheet. So there, there you go. Um, yeah, Pursuit of Bliss is 100%. I mean, I guess when I, when I hear Linux, I think command line already. Like, I don't I don't know about you guys, but when I do Linux, I don't, like, I almost don't even think there's a GUI. I know Kali has a GUI, but I don't really use the GUI unless I need to launch Wireshark, I reckon. Yeah, Sean Peralt, Regex. You can learn Regex outside of Linux, but definitely right. Um, thanks so much. Uh, Gregor trying to give PowerShell some love. <laughs> Uh, what would be right? I need some more sounders on the soundboard. Gregor loving some PowerShell. All right. Oh, Mr. Switchy, uh, another another hit for... Uh, take it easy, Jamie Fleck. Mr. Switchy also pushing out PowerShell is a good one. True, true. Uh, Windows is uh, definitely up there. The SOC Analyst blog series is amazing. Yes, from Eric Capuano. Actually, good call, Nick Barker. Let's let's go ahead and share that on stream right now. Eric Capuano is an absolute um, awesome member of the cybersecurity community. Uh, I also consider him a friend. He actually announced he's going to Lima Charlie. This is his blog right here. Guy's former Air Force. Um, helped start Recon InfoSec. Dude's legendary. I love this guy. Um, I'm already subscribed to his thing, so look at this. VMware mem analysis with memproc FS, no big deal. Capturing and parsing forensic triage acquisitions, yeah, we got that. Find threats and event logs with Hayabusa, sure, why not? Eric saying thank you to the paid subs, heck yeah. Dude, the guy's awesome, guy's awesome. Go check it out, did I drop a link in chat or no? Yeah, I'll drop it again. All right, what else we got? Uh, Abdul Basit Rotimi saying, what are the prereqs to start CTF and which platform can you provide for beginners? Okay, so CTFs are, um, CTFs can come in a lot of different, CTF is capture the flag. It's basically like a cybersecurity contest. They come in a lot of different flavors. Sometimes you don't need, sometimes they're cloud-based, SaaS-based, so you don't actually, uh, Zalia, I didn't see your question. You'll have to uh, give me a second here. Uh, so, Matt, uh, hold on one second. Um, you don't need a powerful machine to do CTS if they're cloud-based. Sometimes you'll have to download. Uh, I would recommend like a, um, you know, like a Linux distro, frankly, uh, for CTFs or, or do um, Windows and then Windows subsystem Linux because sometimes you'll have to download you know, a PCAP file and do something with it, or you'll have to download a binary and reverse it. For, you know what I mean? But you're not going to be running like Splunk on your local machine in a CTF, okay? So, um, and prerequisites, nothing, Abdul. Just, you know, basically CTFs have different skill levels, right? There are easy CTFs. There are hard CTFs. A lot of CTFs at conferences will typically have a mix of both, so there'll be a lot of easy flags, so everybody gets a little taste and some fun, but then there'll be harder ones that you have to be much more um, 
involved in in order to successfully uh, capture the flag. So hopefully that does it. All right, so you're welcome, King Victory. Uh, so I'm looking at chat right now. Uh, so if you have a question, drop it in there. I will tell you, um, emotes, I think we have room for a new emote uh, for the squad members. And sound effects, I'm open to sound effects. I can add as many sound effects as I want. I have like an infinite stream deck. So, you know, whatever we want. Uh, I don't use this one very often. <laughs> and I don't know when I'm supposed to use this one. Catch me outside. But I, I'm trying here. All right. So Angela Wolverton sharing that the Microsoft Store has basic Kali and Ubuntu boxes that work pretty good for CTFs. There you go. 100%. Thanks, Angela. Uh, let's see. Oh my gosh, D. Barry. Feel better. Socks. Getting COVID. Uh, Zalia, I didn't see your question earlier. It's hard. There's a lot in chat, so let's see if I can scroll back and find it. Uh, yeah, I don't know where it is. Oh, toasty, Marcus Kyler. We could do that. I think I actually have that. Um, I think I actually have that one, like, you know, queued up. <laughs> Give me a second. Um, dude, so, hey, guys, just so you know, this is kind of a question for the Simply Cyber um, community. So I released uh, some videos. I'm sure you guys saw them. These videos right here, basically, if they look like this, this one, this one, and this one, there's one more coming out. It's more of like an audiogram podcast interview. When I was at Black Hat, um, I got I got into Black Hat for free as media. So because I got in for free as media, I felt it would be a, it, it was only appropriate for me to do media stuff uh, at least part of the time. So I interviewed four CEOs and made these things. They're not performing well. That's totally fine. Uh, this Google CyberCert one is crushing it, by the way, from a uh, uh, YouTube performance perspective. But I just want to let you guys know, there's only four of these coming. There's only one more coming, so it's not like a new. It's not a new approach I'm doing for the channel. It's just I had I had those four and I wanted to to do them. So plus I got to meet four CEOs that are like super super cool people. Um, we're actually going to have Nick Ascoli, the CEO and founder of Fortrace, on. Uh, Simply Cyber Live coming up here in Q4. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, let's see if we can find Toasty. <laughs> Spicy, shall we play a game? No. All right, I, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to get the Toasty another time. All right. Ooh. We do have this one. This is a throwback. Guys, if you um, have been following Simply Cyber, Daily Cyber Threat Briefing for a while, it used to be called something else. That's a fun trivia question, but it also used to have a different intro. This one. I don't know if you guys remember this. This is a throwback. You hear it? People wanted me to bring this back. 
The old modem. The old modem dial-up. All right, coming in hot from Zalia asking, is it difficult to transition from vulnerability management to GRC? Zalia, I would say no, not at all. In fact, as a vulnerability management analyst, you should be talking to the business because when you're finding vulnerabilities or you're finding shadow uh, IT or unmanaged infrastructure, you typically have to go to the business and say, hey, listen, Carl, like, what are we doing here? Like, I need you to patch this or I need you to take this off the network or I need you to register this. Um, so GRC people, they often are talking to the business and interacting with the business, educating those engineers, educating that staff. So it's it, it, there's a lot of overlap in that Venn diagram from vulnerability management to GRC. So definitely giddy up on that. Guys, also want to say, I don't know if you noticed, but um, we're almost at 75,000 subs on Simply Cyber YouTube channel. We're at like 74.5 right now. Uh, let me get the exact number. So if you're not subbed to the channel and you want to push it, today would be a fun day. 74,556 um, subs at, this, at the time of recording right now. So super cool. Thank you all uh, for your continued support. Uh, John Vitucci asks, how long will you be going for haiku later? Oh, one hour. I'll do haiku from 4 to 5 p.m. Uh, today, Eastern time. Also, as a programming note, um, starting September 11th, uh, I will be doing haiku every other week. So I'll do it every other week starting September 11th. So the 11th and then the 25th. Okay. Uh, so I've been doing it every week. And now I'll do it every other week. Hey, Josh Mason. Good to see you. Josh Mason uh, in the RV posting about Lake Michigan. Super cool. Oh, hey, can I can I share? Um, I'll, I'll keep answering questions, but I got a cool thing to share with y'all. Still working out the logistics, but if you guys are interested, it's about next summer. Um, taste of what to come from September. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, September is going to be super dope. Uh, I can't wait, guys. Um, I know it's like the worst kept secret in cybersecurity, but, um, you know, as a soft opening, there's how many people here? 259. So it's just us friends. Um, going to be going full time on Simply Cyber. Uh, there's a lot going on. I'm teaching. Um, I'll be doing the podcast. I'm going to launch a couple new podcasts in the, in the new year. I'm going to be doing uh, Cybersecurity 101 course. The whole plan is to have the entire GRC career path in um, coursework so you can start from zero and, and and become go as far down the rabbit hole of GRC as you want it's, which is really where my strength is I wear a red team village shirt but it's because I support my red team uh, friends not because I'm a red teamer <laughs> oh man in fact if anything I do red team stuff just so I can like help do GRC better right uh hola so check it out. Hey, uh, I, I wanted to tell you guys this. Uh, Josh Mason, maybe you got some thoughts. So Mrs. Ozier and I were talking about it. We go to Massachusetts every summer, okay, for like five weeks. I go to Vegas every summer for Black Hat DEF CON, ha Hacker Summer Camp, right? We're thinking of getting an RV and driving up there and then RVing across the country. And I'll do the daily cyber threat briefing every morning live on location wherever I am. Logistically speaking, I think a hockey puck and my laptop should be sufficient enough. Maybe a Starlink should be sufficient enough to have the bandwidth and stuff. What's tricky is, <laughs> what's tricky is at 5 a.m. me being in an RV with my 
family who is definitely asleep at 5 a.m. and me screaming about the, the, the hot news. <laughs> so we're trying to work out some logistics. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah, hey, uh, really a quick update on Simply CyberCon. If you, have, if you are a speaker of Simply CyberCon, we're going to be doing a, um, an update. One second. Check your email. You should have received an email, um, speakers, with the deck uh, template if you'd like to use a deck template for Simply CyberCon. We're also going to be doing a Simply CyberCon uh, transparency and update briefing very soon here. Uh, I also want to, I got to talk to James McQuiggan, uh, but we're also going to do a dry run of what the flows will look like with the live stream and the, and the, um, and the um, zooms and stuff like that. So yeah, we could go outside on a pop-up tent. I was actually thinking of doing it on the roof. If we could somehow get like a platform on the roof, that'd be dope. Um, Yeah, go outside. All right. We'll have to see what's up. If it's raining, though, I'm not sure what to do. Like, live on location in the rain <laughs> with all of my tech gear. Might might have a uh, an audio issue that day. <laughs> Nicole. Yeah, that could be it, too. So, we'll see. Um, we'll see. It's It's an idea that we're playing around with right now. It's an idea we're playing around with right now. Let me let me get everything else sorted out. I, here's the thing. I've got really big work that I have to execute in Q4. I've got really big work I got to execute in Q1. I would like to do... Um, I want to do this kid summer cyber camp thing this summer. And if we RV, I can't do that cyber camp. I'd have to move that. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I guess the best way to think about how I work is it's like... Everything that's in the next 90 days is pretty crisp and pretty in focus, right? And then 90 to 180 days is like, you know, like I, I can see it. It's a little fuzzy. Like you can make out the words, but if you put glasses on, it'd be sharp. Like that's 180 days. And then 180 to 365, it's like, it's it's all blurry. But like it's, there's, there's idea there. You can kind of make out a shape, but it's blurry. And that's the way that I operate. Like as it gets closer on the time horizon, things begin to come into focus, right? NSA virus lab, 1600 miles, wow. Yeah, uh, Josh Mason, we'll have to have a conversation when you get a few minutes about, uh, maybe at Wild West Hackenfest over, uh, oh my God, the breakfast, two sausage, egg and cheese, biscuit sandwiches covered in white gravy. My God. You wanna talk about a cheat day? How about a cheat week? Woo! <laughs> uh just gotta be like ollie williams from family guy it's gonna rain yeah oh yeah you guys uh yeah jesse johnson's driving a so if you guys don't know if you're going to wild west hackenfest and you're gonna drive and you're remotely near colorado or you're gonna drive through colorado jesse johnson is standing up a caravan um so he's gonna drive and he's tr he's trying to find people who are interested in like basically building a caravan and going and doing it together as an experience. So, uh, that'd be fun. Casually, Joseph, you have no idea how good it is, bro. I ordered it. Um, I, Josh Mason was sitting with me at the table when I ordered it and I read the description. The waitress is like, 
what, what do you want? I'm like, is this basically two breakfast sandwiches covered in gravy? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it is, actually. I never thought about it that way, but yes. And I'm like, like th that was the end of the conversation. It was just like a strong head nod. Oh, my God. I'm thinking about it right now. Oh, my God. It's, it's going to turn into like a Scooby-Doo episode where like I just like... And there's like a, a, a whirling dervish whirlwind right here <laughs> where I once was. Um, all right, I'll call you, Josh. This week's pretty busy as I wrap up... Uh, as I wrap up my job, but yeah, well, you know, not a lot of fight. Like, I don't know, Kimberly, not a lot of people going from Miami to Deadwood. <laughs> that's not a, that's not a eight flights a day kind of thing. Oh yeah. The caravan would be cool. Luke Canfield. Oh my God. I'm literally having hunger pains thinking of that breakfast now. What do you recommend aspiring socks to start out? Nicholas Heitman asking, why why do you recommend aspiring socks to start out IT? I don't know if you're asking me that question or asking chat that question, but Nicholas Heitman, you don't need to start this question right here. You don't need to start in IT. You can. You probably improve your chances of candidacy if you do, but you can, you can go directly into sock analyst. In fact, it's one of the jobs that has like, a, not a lot, but like there's more sock analyst openings than there are other types of jobs in some fashions. There's a lot of GRC analyst jobs, but there's a lot of MSSPs out there, MDR services. They're all hiring um, sock analysts at the entry level because they have well-established uh, playbooks, well-established training programs. And frankly, they can pay the entry level ones less money than the senior level ones. That's what's up. Oh my God, Miami to Deadwood in a car, no thank you. I would never do that, that that would be insane. It's enough, it's already brutal for me to drive from uh, Carolina to Massachusetts. Oh, uh, hey, Casually Joseph, uh, maybe I'll be on that flight. Um, actually, did I already book my flight? Hold on one second, make sure I'm off screen here. I don't know if I booked my flight yet. I did book my flight. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, I take off the 18th. So, casually, Joseph, you must be doing training or something, right? I, 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 my flight's on the 18th. I do come back on... I come back on uh, the 21st. At a ridiculously inappropriately early flight but you got to do what you got to do um let's see if you change your mind drop by cincy ohio and say hi <laughs> nicole love it um oh my god kyle murphy book a flight and then drive <laughs> that would be brutal uh-oh, is that itinerary right? Oh, my God. Alex Alex with a deep cut. Oh, my God. Brutal. If you guys don't know what Alex is talking about, that's such a funny... Uh, that's such a funny cut. Uh, so for those who don't know, uh, my my I booked my travel for Vegas and sent it to Mrs. Osier. <laughs> and then 
like weeks later or whatever, a month later, um, I, I mentioned to her like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm leaving on Monday or whatever. Like, you know, and she's like, and this is like on Saturday. I'm like, remember, I'm leaving Monday. And she's like, why are, why'd you send me a, a, an invite for Tuesday then? And I'm like, ah, you're, no, 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 it was the other way around. I'm leaving Tuesday. She's like, well, why'd you send me an invite for Monday? And I was like, ah, must be, must be uh, some, some misunderstanding. And then I look and, and I had booked my flight. Uh, for Monday, like a like a donkey. So I would have like a flaming donkey. Like I would have absolutely missed my flight and really screwed everything up had my wife not been right on top of me about it. Thank you, Alex. I forgot about that memory. The conference starts on the 18th. You sure you want to come in halfway through the first day? Yeah, no, no, it's no problem. I get there at like 9 a.m. Oh, Joseph Allen was in the Low Country. Very nice. Yeah, it's still a little hot here, Joseph. I hope you had a good experience. It's still a little hot. Um, the the humidity's about to break, though. Like, I'd say, like, mid-September. The evenings are starting to be nice. Yeah, I don't know casually, Joseph. I definitely talked to Velda about when to fly in. I think my talk is on the 19th. James McQuiggan and I are talking. Also trying to stand up a chess tournament at the Wild West Heckenfest. More information on that if you're a chess player. <laughs> Hashtag team 27 minutes ago. I love it, Zoltan. All right, two more minutes and then I got to go. I really do love the jawjacking segment. Thank you to that uh, that viewer who uh, um, coined the term jawjacking and how we uh, appropriated it. One of my favorite. I got a lot of favorite things. Oh, my God. No, thank you, Angela. 45 degrees. I mean, that is nice, but... I can't. I can't do snow. Can't do snow. Uh, the schedule's not out, Josh. Uh, I just asked Velda. <laughs> oh, Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, there, there's no perfect place. Although I've heard San Diego's pretty nice. Um, yeah, exactly, John Fatucci. I play chess. Doesn't mean I'm good at chess. That's so true. So true. Maybe checkers, Kimberly. Love it, love it, love it. All right, guys, uh, let's round it out. Hey, solid morning. What a great start to everybody's week. Thank you all so very much for allowing me um, to be part of your morning. And thank you for allowing me to experience part of you in your morning. It, it takes a, tri a, a village, y'all. Uh, this is a great community. I'm so very, very grateful for all of you. I hope you crush it today. Go out there and destroy it, my friends. And we will see you uh, today at 4 p.m. if you want to do some uh, haiku hacking. Otherwise, we'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time. Remember, no jawjacking tomorrow because I'm teaching now. So no jawjacking Tuesdays, Thursdays. All right, guys. Be good. And until next time, stay secure. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. Come